The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I am your host, the roguishly handsome Alistair Haken. And today we're finally going to talk about it. We're finally dipping our toe into the long-awaited retrospective of the one and only Sonic Adventure 2. The best, the quintessential Sonic title. Alright? And at the very least, if you don't want to admit it's the quintessential Sonic title of all time, it's at least the quintessential 3D Sonic title. There hasn't been a 3D Sonic title that's better than Sonic Adventure 2. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But first, um, because it's a rather special episode, um, we've got a drink of choice, which is um, uh, up water um, from the Casey's gas station. And it's, um, it's in this metal um bottle and i really like it for some reason i don't know why mm. it's ph balanced to 7.5 ph but it's amazing i love it in the metal bottle and it doesn't cost much more than a regular bottle so i love it and then i also have a cigar of choice for this episode it is a punch classico my favorite cigar my absolute favorite cigar can you see what I'm going with here? My favorite cigar while I'm talking about my favorite Sonic game. Yeah. We're doing it. Which is interesting because I had a Punch Diablo last night, which is pretty good too. But let's crack her open and light her up. So, Sonic Adventure 2. Let's get a little bit of backstory on Sonic Adventure 2. Sonic Adventure 2 came out in 2001, unbelievably, honestly, because... I thought it came out in like 2003, but that's actually when Sonic Heroes came out. But Sonic Adventure 2 came out on t in 2001 on the Sega Dreamcast, the last console that Sega ever made. It was the swan song, I tell you. Never owned a Dreamcast, but there aren't many games on there that I'd make me want to go buy one. And if, in any case, I could probably just emulate them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let that cool down a bit. And it's going to be amazing. Love the Punch Classico. It's from Honduras. Um, but Sonic Adventure 2. Let's, let's talk about the premise of Sonic Adventure 2. So, um, I want to make up my own premise. Like, you know, I want to give you my own synopsis. But... I don't really know how to say it without completely going into a rundown of the entire story. But basically, Sonic Adventure 2 is about the duality of hero versus the dark side, right? And Sonic has been framed for the actions of one black hedgehog known as Shadow the Hedgehog. And we're going to get into his backstory in a little bit. My bad. We're going to get into his backstory a little bit. If you if you watched or listened to the Shadow the Hedgehog retrospective, then we don't even need to go into his backstory. But I'll dive into it a little bit we're not going to talk about the events of shadow the hedgehog because that happened they made that after sonic adventure 2 so 
So, um, how do I put this? Sonic was framed for the actions of Shadow the Hedgehog, who was acting on the command a, a, under the command of the evil Doctor Robotnik, um, slash Doctor Eggman, whichever one you want to call him. Um, and Sonic must race to figure out what's going on, while also avoiding the authorities. After being framed by this new Black Hedgehog, which yeah, uh, that that lets you know that Sonic Adventure Two was Shadow the Hedgehog's debut game. It was the first game he was ever in, which is rad. Um, with the help of Tails and Knuckles and Amy, which Amy's not playable in this game, but she, she's in the game. Um, with the help of Tails, Knuckles, and Amy, Sonic must figure out what Doctor Eggman's plan is, and yada yada yada. You know, other than Shadow the Hedgehog, it's kind of a you know by the numbers kind of sonic plot but the dark story and the last story is where things get really interesting with sonic adventure 2 in terms of its story but this episode is going to be a bit different i'm not going to be whinging about the things that i wish it did right or how it sucks or you know this that and the third no this episode is going to be very different this is going to this is going to be an episode where i'm just going to gush about all the things i love about sonic adventure 2 storyline and, like, character moments and, and, you know, the tone and all of that. So, first, let's let's talk about the characters, man. First of all, my boy Sonic. This was before Sega had these ridiculous mandates where it was, like, Sonic can't cry and Sonic, you know, can't get emotional and stupid stuff like that. Uh, this was before that. And throughout the game, Sonic has moments where he's, like, you know experiencing or showing emotions other than I'm Sonic the Hedgehog, you know? Which, that's in this game, too. That's just Sonic. But, you know, you also get moments like, uh, I, I guess I'm spoiling a 21-year-old 20, game at this point. But um, there's the point where it's assumed that Sonic is dead, or Sonic is about to die, and instead of, like, Sonic being like, there's no way you're gonna stop me, Eggman, he kind of just accepts that he's about to die. And he just goes like, Amy, take care of yourself, and Tails, um, basically, you do your thing, right? But in that scene, Sonic is like, look, man, I'm about to die, so I want y'all to handle things while I'm gone, basically. And it's like, shit, I wasn't expecting this from a Sonic game. And then another scene is at the end, during like during the credits, when Sonic is a... Uh, is, uh, contemplating about how Shadow died. He, cause remember, Shadow's supposed to die in this game. But, you know, he's kind of like, you know, contemplating about it. And it, it appears that he's getting emotional thinking about Shadow um, dying. And also that there's an implication that uh, Sonic attempted to save Shadow and he was unable to. And that's why Sonic is kind of like, well, shit, man. Um, and... It, it just shows that Sonic can be a multi-layered character. He doesn't always have to be, I'm too cool for school. You're too slow. You know? Baldy McNose hair. <laughs> you know, he could be a, an actual character, which is what I adore about, the Son about Sonic in this game, is that he's an actual character, not a mascot, not a brand. And then Tails also has some character development from Sonic Adventure, where instead of being... Because in Sonic Adventure, he was always in the shadow of Sonic. I just said, like, three character names. Tails, Shadow, and Sonic. That was confusing. But Tails was always in the the shadow of Sonic. He was always following Sonic. 
And at the end of Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure, when or Tails' story in Sonic Adventure, Tails has to stop Eggman from blowing up Station Square and then defeat Eggman by himself because Sonic. I think I talked about this in Sonic Forces. He had to defeat Eggman by himself because Sonic was busy doing some other thing. Um, and it showed Tails that he could he could be a hero without Sonic. He can he can be his own hero. He could be a, an essential part of the team without constantly relying on Sonic to save him. And then Sonic Adventure 2 expands upon this because at the beginning of Sonic Adventure 2, Tails is doing his own thing. He's like, I'm, bro, Tails, after Sonic gets caught, Tails is like, I'm about to bust my dude out of jail, bro. Like, I'm about to go on the prison island and I'm springing a, I'm pre, I'm springing a prison break for Sonic. And it's like, this dude, Tails, is on some other shit. Right, so he's a bit more proactive at the beginning of Sonic Adventure 2, which is a nice development from Sonic Adventure 1, all the way to the end of the game where he stops being like, you know, being like, I can be, I can be my own person. Instead, he's more like, I can be my own hero. Right, he can be a hero that is not always in Sonic's shadow, not only just not in Sonic's shadow, but he can do his own thing. He doesn't have to worry about being fast as Sonic or, or being as strong as Knuckles. Tails contributes in his own way. Did I really just let this cigar go out before I could even puff it a second time? I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Just uh, cook it a little bit. Cook it a little bit. But um, and then Knuckles. Knuckles is kind of static in Sonic Adventure Two. I'm not gonna lie. But more so, Knuckles. Uh. More so, the interesting thing about Knuckles is not his character development, but more so about his interactions with One Rouge the Bat. Because Knuckles is a character that's um, always been on Angel Island. He's always been alone. Uh, he doesn't catch up on social cues, and he's a bit gullible because of this. Which is why Eggman was capable of tricking him twice into making him believe that Sonic was stealing the Master Emerald. And both in Sonic, and Sonic 3 and Knuckles and in Sonic Adventure. Don't forget, in Sonic Adventure... Knuckles was tricked again <laughs> into like fighting Sonic because Eggman persuaded him that Sonic was like doing something and Knuckles' gullible ass was like fuck I gotta stop Sonic right um but fortunately that doesn't happen in Sonic Adventure 2 like Knuckles is just doing his own thing and then he comes back he comes he crosses paths with Sonic and the team um which uh, but but really, it's more so about showing Knuckles develop as a person rather than as a character. It's more so about him coming out of his shell and understanding that there's more to this world than guarding the Master Emerald. Or like he's with his friends, you know, on uh on the Space Colony Arc trying to save the world and shit. Um, he comes across Rouge, who is a potential love interest, and he's like, maybe there's more to this world than being the guardian of the Master Emerald. I just got ash on my 5'11 pants. This timeline is the worst. But, um... Yeah, so Knuckles is a bit less developed than, in, like, the rest of the series, but... You know, still still some good stuff. And then Amy, unfortunately, Amy's kind of just there. I mean, her only purpose is really, is for two moments, is to, is to get captured in, at the climax of the, the hero story. She gets captured, and then um, in the last story, 
when she persuades Shadow to help out the team. Which are two big moments, especially when she uh, persuaded Shadow to help out. That was a very big moment, a very, very big contribution. But, yeah, Amy doesn't really do much in Sonic Adventure 2, which is a shame, but, you know, it's already a big story, especially when we get to the next three characters, Shadow, Eggman, and Rouge, which we already discussed Shadow a little bit, excuse me. Um, but Shadow, I'll just re rerun it a little bit. Shadow in this game is not Edgy McHedge. He's not, like, you know, the the cringy we live in a society like uh you know thing that he does later on um he's actually like a character that's it's, let's 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 basically focus on how he is when he first comes across sonic when he first comes across sonic shadow is incredibly cocky he's incredibly overconfident he's like i have chaos control and you can't stop me right and then he bumps into sonic in uh the prison island forest and he's like, what the shit? You're still around here? Like, okay, let me deal with you myself, right? Instead of just, like, leaving him to be captured by gun, he's like, okay, let me deal with you myself. And then after that fight, he's, like, panting because he's like, holy shit, I didn't expect you to actually be able to put up a fight. And then by the time they meet again on the Space Colony arc, Shadow's like, you never cease to amaze me, right? And to the point where he even asks, what are you? You know, what is what is Sonic? Because he's like, no one has ever been able to match my speed and my power, right? So he, so throughout the game, he goes from finding Sonic to be a nothing burger to finding, to finding him to be a nuisance, then to finding a newfound respect for this character. While in later games, he's just like, you're all pathetic. I'm Shadow the Hedgehog, and no one can surpass my power. You know, that, that typical garbage. But then, on top of that, Shadow also has his traumatic backstory, which, honestly, this dude has, like, PTSD, dude. Um, I didn't want that to burn out again, or fizzle out. But, like, this dude has PTSD because of Maria, and not being able to save his best friend, who, it's implied that Shadow's, Shadow's soul, his personality, was modeled after Maria. So, watching Maria die was essentially like watching a part of himself die. Um, and then on top of that, the traumatic, not the traumatic, the, um, the horrific implications that maybe Shadow's memories have been tampered with by, uh, Professor Gerald Robotnik while he was in his stasis chamber, um, causing him to basically effectively be brainwashed into triggering the, Gerald's gigantic revenge plot because Shadow was like basically manipulating Dr. Eggman into collecting the seven chaos animals so he could ram the space calling arc into earth as revenge for his friend's death right but the truth is that since shadow was modeled after maria's spirit his her personality her soul he could never truly allow something like that to happen which is why definitively shadow is a hero he's not an anti-hero he's not a villain per se like not well i meant to say the other way he's not a villain he's not an anti-hero per se He's an anti-hero in the sense that he doesn't have the typical personality traits of a hero. But he's still a hero. Just, you know, he's kind of a mean person um, in the long run. But he has a vow to protect the, you know, the, 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 the denizens of this planet. And he's, you know, basically the eternal guardian. So even when, when Sonic dies, you know, one day Shadow will be there to protect the Earth. That's kind of his duty at this point.
you know, in the Sonic lore, that's his duty, right? So, Shadow, yeah, we talked about Shadow. Rouge, Rouge is an interesting addition to the Sonic lore. She doesn't add too much. It's just like, you know, she's there with Knuckles. In Sonic Adventure 2, she doesn't add much, but, like, it's the games after Sonic Adventure 2 where she really starts to develop as an actual character rather than just, like, I'm a treasure hunter, you know? That's all she is in this game is... I'm a treasure hunter and a government spy. What is Project Shadow? You know, that's all she really does in this game. But then later on, she actually develops a character, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then Eggman. Eggman, bro. Eggman, this game reminded me of how Eggman is supposed to be an actual threat. Alright? Because a lot of games after Sonic Adventure 2, Eggman was progressively becoming less and less of a threat. Until around the time Sonic Riders comes out and Eggman is just straight up a joke. Right? And then he tries his best to become like a much more valid threat. But he always gets usurped in the last minute. Like in Sonic Unleashed, he... Okay, so let's see. How did this start? Sonic Heroes, he was usurped by Metal Sonic. Like literally the entire game, Eggman wasn't actually Eggman. It was Metal Sonic. And Metal Sonic like threw Eggman into like the back room of the Egg Fleet or something like that. Um... And then Shadow the Hedgehog, Eggman is part of a three-pronged war, <laughs> okay? Because there's Sonic and Gun, then there's the Black Arms, and then there's Eggman's fleet. And there's just a three-pronged war going on where three sides are just basically fighting each other. Um, and then Eggman isn't really the threat here. Eggman is just like, I'm saving the world because there's, no, there's not going to be a world to conquer if we let these Black Arms win, basically. So he's not even really the bad guy in Shadow the Hedgehog. Like, in some of the missions, he's even the hero character. Like, on Skyfleet, he's the hero side, ironically. Um, then after Shadow the Hedgehog, there's Sonic 06, where he gets usurped by Solaris and Mephilus and I Iblis. Uh, then after that, it was Sonic Unleashed. He was us usurped by Dark Gaia. Sonic Colors? Actually, Sonic Colors was the first game where he was finally, like truly the bad guy um like i said before that two sonic here sonic riders games before that he wasn't really um the the villain he was just like a goofball throughout both of those games then after sonic colors there was sonic lost world where the deadly six were like the main bad guys at first eggman was like i'm conquering you guys herder and then like this deadly six like kick his ass and then after that, Sonic... No, Sonic Generations is before... I always put Sonic Lost World after... Before Sonic Generations for some reason. Sonic Generations, surprisingly, Eggman was the bad guy again. Where he was like the end-all, be-all bad guy. He was in control of the Time Eater, which is pretty cool. And then Sonic Forces... Yeah, Sonic Forces Eggman is the main bad guy again. So yeah, it, the curse was broken after Sonic... Adventure 2 was the last game to make him the main bad guy, and then Sonic Generations was the first guy, the first game to make him the full antagonist again. But in Sonic Adventure 2, oh my goodness, Eggman is in top form in Sonic Adventure 2. Like, he is he is villainy incarnate, okay? Yeah, he still has some goofy moments where he's kind of silly, where, like, there's a scene where he scratches his ass, and then there's a part where, like, Sonic defeats the Egg Golem, and then... It causes the egg golem to malfunction, and now Eggman has to fight it. Um, which is implied that Sonic's boss fight with the egg golem happens before Eggman's boss fight with the egg golem. Which is interesting. But, 
but you know, other than that, Eggman is Eggman is a menace in this game, dude. It even start like the dark story even starts with you playing as Eggman as the first character, where he ravages Prison Island to get to Project Shadow, right? And then he literally leads a, an insurgent terrorist attack on Prison Island a second time just to blow it up <laughs> after after finding two what is it three Chaos Emeralds after getting Rouge inside to steal three Chaos Emeralds. Um, causing causing countless lives to be lost by blowing it up, and then and then he oh my god and then he blows up the moon as a terrorist threat to the people of Earth said, um, saying you have twenty four hours to to negotiate with my demands. <laughs> oh my goodness, and then the peace de resistance the moment that capstones. Eggman's villainy like Eggman blowing up the part of the moon okay pretty crazy Eggman committing a terrorist act two terrorist acts in like three days <laughs> actually no he commits like three terrorist acts within the span of a week in this game right and, and he attacks prison island twice <laughs> blows up part of the moon and then to cap it all off which is the greatest form of villainy is that Eggman finds out Sonic is on the way to slam in a fake Chaos Emerald into the cha the, the the Space Colony Arc's uh, Chaos Reactor, or whatever it's called, right? And he's like, oh, I found Amy. I'm holding her hostage, Sonic. Get over here before I put a bullet in her head. Oh, and you think I'm playing. You think I'm hyperbolizing. No, Eggman literally has a gun pointed at Amy's head <laughs> in that cutscene. Bro, bro. When I was a kid, I didn't even realize how intense that was. But yes, Eggman has a an actual gun in his hand. And he's like, drop the emerald or I'm going to put a cap in her ass. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. And then not to mention in that scene where Eggman masterful, masterfully tricks Sonic and, Sonic and Tails into revealing that yes, there was a fake cat emerald. Like in the hero story... It just comes across as Eggman is just really fucking smart because he's like, you thought you could trick me with that fake emerald, didn't you? And then Tails is like, how do you know it was fake? And then Sonic's like, Tails? And then Eggman's like, yeah, because you just told me, Fox boy. So, but then in the dark story, it's revealed Eggman knew all along that there was a fake emerald because he had six of the seven. And then there were two Chaos Emerald-like readings in the Space Colony arc at the same time. So he was like, one of them ain't real. So let's figure out which one it is. And then it's revealed that at that point, he wasn't, you know, doing that to reveal it. He was doing it to confirm that one of them was fake. Which just shows you how, oh my god, Eggman is smart in this game, dude. Eggman is a, is a threat in this game, bro, and I love it. I love Eggman in this game. And his voice actor did a fantastic job, dude. Oh my god. Like, in, in this game, I'd say Sonic, Shadow, and Eggman are the highlights of that game. They are just, they steal the show every time they're on screen. And my cigar went out again. So, yeah. Now, let's talk about some of the, the cool plot points. Like I said, Eggman blowing up the moon was just, like, an amazing way to, like, escalate the events from Sonic Adventure to Sonic Adventure 2. 
All right. And then uh, I love the fact that Shadow had his own secret agenda. He was like, oh, I'm going to get revenge. He's just like, I'm not going to tell you what's actually happening. And also, I kind of like the fact that Shadow was just 100% okay with dying. He was like, oh, I got my revenge. We're all going to die. I'm cool with death. Are you? It's basically what he says in the last story. Um, well, there's a, f a bunch of fantastic, like, moments like along the like Sonic Adventure 2 is great at escalation. It starts with a simple like Sonic has been framed, you know, storyline. It escalates to Eggman is collecting the chaos emeralds for something. All right? And then it escalates to Eggman is issuing a terrorist threat. And then it escalates to Shadow tricked everyone into collecting the chaos emeralds and now the entire planet is at is at risk. <laughs> the whole the fate of the planet is at risk. So it just, it escalates so perfectly. While unlike something like Sonic Forces, where throughout most of the plot, it's just the characters kind of meandering and just doing stuff until suddenly Infinite reveals, my plan is to summon a giant sun and burn you all. And it's just like, oh, okay. But there was no sense of escalation. It kind of just happens that there's a giant sun that has been spawned. Um... But Sonic Adventure 2 was fantastic at escalation. Making it feel like things just... Like, it constantly has twists and turns, and it just... It just makes you go, like, what is about to happen next? And like I said, that scene where Eggman holds Amy at gunpoint... Oh, my God. And there's another scene I love, um... Where Sonic and Shadow meet the second time... For their final battle. Where Shadow is just trying to figure out what is Sonic, and Sonic is like... Um, like Shadow is trying to understand Sonic and Sonic is like there's nothing to understand what you see is what you get and I've, I've absolutely loved Sonic's like Sonic's defiance like Sonic's overall tone in this game where he's just like he's just he's just he just is I don't know how to describe it I love it he is what he is and that's it he kind of has a much more lighter-hearted take on Rocket Raccoon's ain't-no-thing-like-me-except-me kind of attitude. But Sonic is more about more about being fun-loving and just accepting who he is rather than Rocket Raccoon saying that as a defense for being a, a, a science experiment, essentially. Um, but I absolutely love... I love that scene as well. And then, of course, there's the, the first time Sonic and Shadow fight which is just it, it's so legendary i cannot tell you i cannot tell you what that what is in that scene that causes it to be so legendary and iconic but it's one of one of many scenes in that game where i memorized the the dialogue when sonic and shadow meet in the forest i i don't know why but most people have memorized the dialogue in that scene and it's hilarious it's just, it's iconic. I, I can't say it any other way than that. And it also reveals, not reveals, but it shows you how cocky Shadow is. Where he says things like, I think you're the fake hedgehog around here. You're not even good enough to be my fake. You know, it shows that Shadow's cocky. He's cocky in more of a fun-loving way rather than, I'm the ultimate life form and you're all pathetic. You know, that kind of boring thing. And another thing I love is... um. It's just the bombastic cinematic nature of it all, like, Gun sending a truck after Sonic. 
which someone actually points out how this is a a good like world building thing that subtly connects the events of Sonic Adventure to Sonic Adventure 2 because at first glance Sonic Adventure 2 doesn't seem like it has anything to do with Sonic Adventure 1 but but the way he described it that allows you to put this in perspective is that after the events of Sonic Adventure 1 where perfect chaos floods Station Square you would think that maybe the government would do something to ensure nothing like that happens again possibly create a government agency that has ridiculous amount of power and resources to stop such a thing from happening and they would allow them to basically do anything such as say summon a giant semi truck and run over innocent civilians to capture a terrorist blue hedgehog yeah uh, makes a good amount of world building sense now you should think about it because upon first glance it's like holy shit why did they just summon a truck to chase down this blue hedgehog but when you put it in perspective of the events of Sonic Adventure it makes you go like you know that makes sense. Oh boy. So let's let's talk about the last story because the last story is where things really come together and it makes me it really is the part that makes me really love Sonic Adventure 2 where it's like the hero side is the peanut but the side of the bread that has the peanut butter and the dark side is the side that has the jelly both slices of bread that have one has peanut butter one has jelly the last story is when they do this they just come together and it makes the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich right where this is when it's revealed oh shadow played you all he's going to slam the the space colony into the, into the the earth right and then everyone comes together including dr eggman so it's everyone except for shadow you know trying to rush to the cannon's core to shut it down right you know, everyone's working together, you know, shutting down specific parts of the, the core so that Sonic and, Ru Sonic and Knuckles can rush in to get to the uh, the core and shut down, you know, the Space Colony arc and stop it from ramming into Earth, All right? And then when they get to the cannon's core, this giant fucking lizard thing comes out of nowhere and it's like, oh shit, what are you? <laughs> but if you paid attention during the Dark Story, it's foreshadowed that 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 lizard is the original project shadow now most people go like why the, why the fuck would you make a giant lizard and then downsize it to a black hedgehog well as i said in one of the previous episodes it's alluded to that the giant lizard is modeled after perfect chaos and then shadow is modeled after the image of supersonic fighting the death egg robot in sonic 3 and it's implied that gerald robotnik visited the mystic ruins and got a lot of his inspiration from the the murals and the paintings and the prophecies from that location. All right, it's inferred. It's never actually confirmed, but it's inferred. Um. So that makes a lot of sense. It's it's writing for the author. Just so we're clear, it's writing for the writer. It's doing the writer's job. But I would actually love it if they confirmed that. Like if in Sonic the Hedgehog three they actually do that, that would be rad. Please do that. Um. So then Shadow is persuaded by Amy to help, and then he stops the bio-lizard, which... Okay, so everyone always creams their pants over Live and Learn, City Escape, you know, uh, all these other songs. But me, personally, one of my favorite songs in this game is the song that plays during the bio-lizards the bio -lizards fight, Supporting Me. That song, I love that song. It, does, it doesn't even sound like it belongs in a Sonic game. Like, it, it sounds dark and twisted and very very concerning 
but it's just such a fantastic song. And when people said, oh, when I saw Shadow at the end of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie, I thought of I Am All of Me or Live and Learn. No, when I saw Shadow, I thought of Supporting Me. That song, like, go listen to it on Spotify. It's it's such a great song. But, but yeah. So, and, and, and here's what I want to talk about the tone. I want to talk about the tone here. The tone of Sonic Adventure 2 starts out like your typical Sonic game at for, upon first glance. Where it's like, oh, Sonic is the fun-loving, free-spirited hedgehog, and he's running from the man, you know? All, destroying all these robots and stuff. But as you go further and further into the game, you realize there's a lot more under the surface. A lot of dark themes under here, such as Shadow's backstory, where Shadow was hunted down by a government agency, and his friend, his best friend was killed by the government, his creator executed by firing squad, um, and then he's, his memories possibly tampered to commit omnicide, right? Absolutely insane. I mean, of course, you know, it was more so about, um about a hatred for the human race but Shadow's actions would have committed Omnicide everyone would have died everyone and everything would have died alright so the tone is surprisingly dark and it does it in a way that it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard to be dark like Shadow the Hedgehog Shadow the Hedgehog tries way too hard to be dark when under the surface is little more than just scary black aliens need to to die which wow that sounded really problematic but that's how they that's how they say it in the game surprisingly um but it's the plot of shadow the hedgehog isn't really that dark sonic adventures 2's plot oh man i really am struggling to figure out how they're not going to make sonic the hedgehog 3 pg-13 that movie's gonna have to be pg-13 if it's gonna be anything accurate to sonic adventure 2 So yeah, but the the crowning jewel of this game, the game, the moment that everyone loves about this game, no matter who has played this game, they love this moment. And you know what moment I'm talking about. It's the final hazard. The final hazard is the quintessential Sonic the Hedgehog moment. That if they don't include this boss fight, this sequence of events in Sonic the Hedgehog 3... Sonic the Hedgehog 3 will be hated by every single Sonic fan if it's not included. I'm so serious. The Final Hazard is a quintessential, necessary moment in Sonic lore. Nothing beats it. Alright? And it's in the feeling of this boss fight is indescribable. Yeah, it's a little easy, to be completely honest. It's a little easy. It gets a little challenging towards the end, but it's kind of an easy boss fight. But that's not necessarily the point of this boss fight. It's not to be challenging. It's to cap. It's to it's to cap off the events of the story with this amazingly climactic battle, where the the fate of the world is at stake. And two people that started off on different sides of the aisle, two people that were enemies of each other at the beginning of the game, come together to save the world. And then one of those characters commits the ultimate sacrifice. And it's it's, bro, it's undescribable. The way Live and Learn starts as the bio lizard is screeching while you're in space and he's pulling the space, calling the Ark to the Earth. It is undescribable how amazing that, that, that scene is. 
and then everyone's rooting you on, telling you how, you know, there's not a lot of time. You got to save us. You guys can do it. You know, oh my God, please. Please, Paramount, please. Sonic the Hedgehog 3, please get it right. <laughs> please get it right. They've screwed up the Transformers movies so much, and they're just getting them right with Bumblebee. I'm scared they're going to get Sonic the Hedgehog 3 wrong. Oh my God, please get it right. <laughs> That's all I can say. But, yeah, Shadow's Death um, is, you know, I kind of, a part of me kind of wishes that it was permanent, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad it didn't, because I love Shadow. Shadow's my, Shadow's my favorite character, like I said. But the resulting, like, conversations that happen after that are, are really great. Like, when, Sha when um, Robotnik talks to Tails about how he questions everything that... Because it's implied that he became a scientist because of his grandfather. His grandfather is the um, is his main inspiration for becoming a scientist, right? Becoming a doctor. And now all of that is put into question because of his father, his grandfather's actions. I mean, Tails ruins the moment later, but still, it's a it's a fantastic moment where he's just like, "Have I been learning and like doing all of this shit in vain?" And it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic moment, dude. Tails ruins it, but still a fantastic moment. And then, like I said, Amy and Sonic talking about shadow sacrifice, and Amy's like, "What's wrong, Sonic?" And then Sonic is, it's kind of implied by his body language that he feels really torn up about shadow sacrifice. Um, and it's just like the credit sequence is surprisingly introspective. It's surprisingly thoughtful, and I love it. And then, of course, you know, after everyone has their thoughts. Live and Learn plays again, and it's fantastic. Oh, man. Man. And I'm not even going to talk about the gameplay stuff, because that's not what this podcast is about. There are channels out there that can absolutely explain to you how great the gameplay is. Dated, sure, because, you know, it came out in 2001, over 21 years ago. But, still, it holds up rather well. It's the only Sonic game I can I come back to every once in a while and play it. I don't come back to Sonic Generations. I don't come back to come back. <laughs> I don't come back to Sonic Forces. I don't come back to to Sonic Lost World. I still haven't beat Sonic Lost World. It's just not a fun game to me. Um, I don't come back to any other Sonic game, but I come back consistently to Sonic Adventure Two. If I had Shadow the Hedgehog, I'd probably come back to that as well. But I don't have that game right now. Come back to Sonic Heroes every once in a while, but Sonic Adventure Two. Every time I pick up Sonic Adventure Two, I have a blast. Absolutely adore it. And yeah, there's probably some plot, plot holes here and there. But there's a, here's a... Okay, so here's some plot holes that people keep bringing up. That I don't believe are actually plot holes. Like, the fact that people say, Oh, why does Sonic... Why is everyone confusing Sonic with Shadow? Okay, Amy, Amy's kind of a moron, alright? So that's different. But why is the public confusing Sonic with Shadow? Well, you have to think about it. How many people have actually, like, been face-to-face -face with Sonic? Out of a population of, like, the average American city has about, like, what, a population of, like, 10,000? Not 10,000, 10 million? Or, like, in the millions, basically, right? And my cigar went out. Um, the average American city has the population of, like, millions of people, right? What are the chances that, at the very least, one million of those people have met and spoken to Sonic the Hedgehog? Right. On top of that, what's Sonic's main ability? Oh yeah, he runs fast. At the speed of sound. Right? 
what are the chances that even a thousand people got a good look at him while he's doing his thing? Chances are he's moving, you know, as a blur. And then you're telling me another hedgehog comes around and he's just as fast as Sonic? Most people would just assume, yeah, that's Sonic. He's it's a, it's a hedgehog moving fast. That's probably Sonic because the only other contender is Metal Sonic. And Metal Sonic looks more like Sonic than Shadow does. So that doesn't really help. So I don't really consider that much of a plot hole. Now, Amy being a moron and thinking Shadow is Sonic, I, I don't know what that was about. But I think it's just a holdover from when Shadow looked more like Sonic, where there was this character named Terios, who looked a lot more like Sonic. He was like a darker shade of blue, and he had like a... He was like he had like a scarred eye and yellow gloves and stuff. He, you should look up the concept art for that. It's really interesting. I don't like that design, but really interesting nonetheless. Um, that's probably a holdover from when that character was Shadow. Um, so that is a plot hole, to be completely honest. Amy not recognizing Sonic, but the the public re- not recognizing Sonic, that's not a plot hole. However, there is one where. It's kind of a bit of writing for the, the, the writer where people are like, okay, so if Gun knew that Shadow had escaped, why would they capture Sonic if they know what Shadow looks like? And it's like, yeah, that is a plot hole. And there's a good, the, the fans have created a good reason for why they would do that, but it's not in the game, so I can't give the, I can't give the writers props for that. So, the, ex, the fan explanation the fanon explanation is that Gunn didn't want the the secrets of Project Project Shadow getting out, so they captured Sonic as a scapegoat or something like that. As a matter of fact, let's look it up. Um, it's under fanon. I'm pretty sure. Sonic Adventure Two. Let me see. Okay, yeah, I found it. It says a common fan theory as to why Gun mistook Sonic for Shadow and arrested him in Sonic Adventure 2 is that they didn't actually mistake him for Shadow, but rather they used him as a scapegoat to cover up the existence of Shadow to the public. While this does make sense given the agency's morally ambiguous nature, there's nothing in game to explicitly suggest that this is the case. Correct. Which is why I say it's it's a plot hole, but it's there's a very good fan theory as to why that's the case. But we can't really say fan... We can't give them credit for a fan theory, because it wasn't actually in the game. So, um... So, yeah, um... I was about to bring up another plot hole, but that's not related to this game. It's related to Shadow the Hedgehog. Um... But it's it's amazing how those are the only two plot holes I can really think about in this game. I can't think of any much other plot holes, surprisingly. Even though games like Shadow the Hedgehog introduced plot holes to the storyline when there weren't any. And then um, a lot of other Sonic games have horrible plot holes. So the Sonic 06 is just broken from a narrative perspective. But, yeah, it's amazing how a, a, a Sonic game... From 2001 has a lot less plot holes than most stories in 2022. <laughs> so yeah, I'm done gushing about Sonic Adventure 2 for now. Um, that's everything I love about this game. A few, you know, a few acknowledgments that it's not perfect, 
But overall, I absolutely adore Sonic Adventure 2. And it's it's genuinely the game... And I'll, I'll end it with this. This is genuinely the game that made me want to be a writer. I wanted to write my own story like Sonic Adventure 2. Right? Where... It's a it's a cat it's a it's a cornerstone event that a lot of games after Sonic Adventure 2 are focused on. The events of Sonic Adventure 2 are like a moment that like are constantly referenced over and over and over again because of how because of how it changed the the world building of the universe. No matter how many times they want to pretend that goddamn moon wasn't exploded in Sonic Adventure 2, it happened. And silly ass what's his name? Izuka Keep saying, oh, the moon's just facing the other way. Whatever, man. I want your job. <laughs> I don't want you to have this job anymore. I want to have your job. I want to be where you are, bro. <laughs> I want your job. But, yeah. Sonic Adventure 2 was a, like a big-ass moment for the Sonic franchise. If I'm not mistaken, it was on the 10th anniversary. Was, was it the 10th or the 5th? Which What was it? Oops, my bad. Okay, so yeah, it was the 10th anniversary. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's the game that inspired me to be a writer. And that should tell you a lot, actually. <laughs> um, in, in what I've gathered from Sonic Adventure 2 was just the authenticity of its storytelling. A lot of people say that Sonic Adventure 2 had... Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 really should not be a kid's game with all the crazy, wild, inappropriate shit that's in it. It's like, this shouldn't be a kid's game, and rightfully so. They made it E10 in future releases, but... It, it's because... And what I love about it is that it's authentic. It's a game suitable for children, but it's not a kid's game. Matter of fact, that'll be my next episode. What is the difference between a kid's game and a game suitable for kids? But, yeah, and that's the kind of authentic storytelling that I've always wanted to emulate. You know, a story that revolves around the characters, not concerned with making shit happen for the sake of making shit happen. All the characters have their own, you know, motives for being where they're at, doing what they're doing, you know, which is something that... A lot of stories are just severely lacking these days. But yeah, that's all I got for you for Sonic Adventure 2 and this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I have been your host, the amazingly handsome Alistair Haken. I will see you all on the nep, the the nep, the next episode. The next episode. I'm so sorry. I will see you guys later. Listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 